for advice that we're not uh, we're going to make any fancy introductions here. I just want to thank everybody calm. Take some time for his extremely good day to CRC to educate us about all sorts of questions again that we spoke about that you're waiting for. Okay. Eager, ready breath. Okay, nice to see everybody here. Um, we're going to talk about Chol Vishal, as you know, this morning. Um, I'm going to have things that I want to say, but you should feel free to stick in your comments along the way. It's much more interesting if people talk back than if I talk to myself. I don't know if your Rebbe tells you that. Does he? If they shouldn't say it, they shouldn't talk? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So usually that's what I would, usually I would say that you should talk back. No, but if, if your Rebbe says you shouldn't talk, then you're with the end. That's, that's what you should do. You should, I'll tell you, we recently had a, just to respond to your Rebbe, we recently had someone who we were teaching Mashkichim, go over them halachas they need to know for Shabbos. If they're, if they're the Mashkich and the event on Shabbos, things like Kach Shabbos. So they said, what should we do if we come, they asked the question, what should we do if we come to a shul, and the CRC said we can do this and this and this, but the Rav in the shul says, you know how to do that. If the Rav says, my, in my shul we don't do it like that. We don't use this thing, we don't, we're not. So we said, if the Rav in the shul says that you should do that, follow what the Rav says. That's what you should do. So if I reply, they said, no questions, then no questions. Okay. Um, okay. Um, th- there's a, one, there's something called a mammal, and the term, the term, the term mammal, one of the criteria to be a mammal is that it, that, that animal has mammary glands, which is, it produces milk to feed its own young. That's what, that's what identifies something as a mammal. So we are mammals, and so are kosher animals, like cows and sheep and yaks. Those are kosher animals, and they produce milk to give their children, to feed their infants, the babies. But so do other mammals, like horses and pigs and camels. They also produce milk to feed their young. Now, most people, the milk that they drink is cow's milk. But Chazal were concerned that uh, somebody might mix in non-kosher milk, usually we think about it as pig's milk, into the regular milk. So the Chazal said that if you can only drink milk, if a yid is standing by there to watch, that, the, that the, in fact what's going into your bottle is cow's milk. Okay, they really... Midaraisa, you could have been probably assumed that it's cow's milk, but Midarabon Chacham said a yid has to stand there and watch the, the put the, make sure that it's cow's milk. Now, we know that most Jews in America, for sure, probably in the whole world, most Jews don't eat what we just call called chalvisol. They don't have milk that a Jew is watching when they put when they milk the cows and until it gets into your bottle. So we're going to try to explain what is what's the reason for that. Why do these why do most people ignore uh, Gemara and Din and Shulchan Aruch? No one argues on this thing. It's very straightforward. Everyone knows that that's what you have to have. You have to have milk that a Jew watch the milk. Uh, and while we talk about it, we're going to talk about some sort of side issues that relate to Chol Yisrael as well. Okay. Let's start with the Shulchan Aruch. Shulchan Aruch says, if, if you go to a farm and that farmer only has cows, okay, you walk up, that's all there is. For as far as you can see, there's hundreds, there's only cows, no other animals. Even so, you're to have a yid watch the milking. I mean, even though to every, everyone can see that there's just cows here, you would think, no, from this farmer I should be, I assume that everything's okay and it's for sure cows milk, you still have to have a yid watching. The dinam are a little bit more cow. You could be a little bit, you don't have to be as particular how you watch them, but basically yid, you still need chol vishon. But there are two ways to understand that din. But the Shulchan said. Did any of you here ever hear of a din called Basr Shunas Ayin? Well, Basr Shunas Ayin means that if meat, if a yid lost, wasn't watching meat, 
with concern that someone might have switched it. If you have meat in your house, no one can switch it. If you leave your house and there's someone, a guy in your house by themselves, then you have to be concerned maybe they would take the kosher meat and switch it for trade meat. Or if you get a delivery, you get delivery from a pizza shop or from a, from a, a restaurant, they send you a sandwich, maybe the delivery person who's not Jewish switched. He took out your cor- the corned beef sandwich coming from the restaurant and instead put in a trade corned beef sandwich because the kosher meat is considered better. So the din by Bashish and Salmonayim is that we only are concerned that the guy switched the food if he has some logical reason to do so. Maybe the kosher meat is better or the kosher meat is, is more expensive. So he would have a reason to switch one for the other. But if there's no reason for him to switch it, just to get meat, he wouldn't do it. If he has not, nothing to gain by switching the meat, we're not conscious that he would do it. And in that case, it doesn't have to be, he doesn't have to seal it or watch it or like that. So the Prechadah says, the same thing applies by Chol Vishol. By Chol Vishol, we don't have to be worried that the guy put in pig's milk into your regular milk, only if he has some logical reason to do that. If, if the, if the, if, the, if there's no reason for him to do that, for example, let's say, let's say there's no, let's say there's no pigs, there's no pig's milk available. Okay, right now, if, if a farmer out in Wisconsin wanted to add pig's milk into your cow's milk, he couldn't find it. There is no such thing as pig's milk. There aren't even milking machines for pigs. You, you know, no one goes over and milks cows by squeezing them. They use mach- there's no machines for milking pigs. You can't even get pig's milk. Get pig's milk. And if you could, it would be way more expensive than the cow's milk. So the precolor says, if there's no concern, that the guy, there's no financial reason, or no, any advantage why the guy would want to use, mix with milk, you don't have to have a yid watching. The Gemara, it's just like Buster Shana Salmonite. You have to do it in the case when you think he might switch it. Here, there isn't any possibility or logic to a person switching it. You don't have to be hushed. That's what the Bichadah says. Now, that's one way of understanding it. But you know, there are other Gzairas. Did anybody here ever hear of Gvinus Yisrael? Gvinus Akram. Yeah, what, what's the din of Gvinus Akram? The din of Gvinus Akram is, the way you make cheese is, you take milk, you put something into it, something called rennet, and when you put that in, it makes the cheese, the milk solidify, and harden into what we call cheese, and leaving some other stuff behind. So now, the, the, the easiest way to do that is, you take a cow's stomach, you take a certain, this rennet grows inside of a cow's stomach, and you throw it in. So Chazal were concerned that a guy would use um, rennet from a, from a tray for animal. So they said, when you make cheese, it, a yid has to be there to watch it or put the rennet in. Whatever he has to do, he has to do something in the making of the cheese. And that's called Gvinus Yisrael. Cheese that we eat has to be Gvinus Yisrael. That Gzera applies even if there's no chashash that the guy will do it. For example, nowadays in America, almost all cheese uses rennet that's kosher. There's not really a, such a chashash that someone will use treif rennet. But even so, even though it's not logical, there's no reason why he would use the treif rennet, even so, once Chazal made a gzera, they said you're not allowed to eat gvinus akam, you have to eat gvinus yisrael, then it's, the gzera applies even if the reason doesn't apply. So in some gzeras, like gvinus akam, we say, it has to be Gvinus Yisrael, even if there's no reason why the guy would switch it. You have no reason to be Chayshish. So the Chassam Seifer says, Chol Yisrael is the same kind of example. Even if there's no Chashash that the guy will switch it, there's no reason in the world to think he would stick in pig's milk. He doesn't even have any pig's milk. The Chachamim said, it's not kosher unless the Yid stands it to watch the milk. That's how the Chassam Seifer looks. Okay, so we have a Machlikas. The Pre-Chadosh, the famous Pre-Chadosh says, that, says that if the, 
that if the milk is, that if there's, you only have to need Chol Yisrael when there's a real concern that the guy might switch in is, uh, might switch in and put in the trade. And the Chassam Sarifin says, no, you need Chol Yisrael. It doesn't make a difference even, even if there's no, even if there's no concern that a guy would, would switch in. Okay? Now, as you, as you can well imagine, as you, as you can well imagine, there's, there's, uh, there's, I wanted to solve this, I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> if anybody wants, if you're finished, you can keep my notes if you want to answer That'll help you. Okay. So, that's a, so now, there's, of course, as you can well imagine, there's many places can talk about these, this much like this. What's, what's important, I want to note to you is, that the, chaz- the Chazorin Ish says, that the Din is like the Pre-Chodesh. Okay, the Chazorin Ish, um, from the Godel Hadar from a generation or two ago, says that the Din is like the Pre-Chodesh. So, the Chazorin Ish right now? So, <laughs> why? It's the Chazorin Ish says <laughs> so one reason, so one reason why people eat, one reason why, one reason why people eat Chol Sam is because why people eat don't are not not with that Chol Bishol. Okay, I'm not going to use that word Chol Sam yet. The reason why people eat Chol don't eat Chol Bishol is because Chazanish said the din is like the Pichodesh. If there's no reason to be Chodesh that the guy mix in Chol milk uh, from another thing, you don't have to. That's it. You don't have to be Chodesh. That's what Chazanish says. Okay. Now there are those who say the Chazanish didn't mean it. If there are those who wrote, they didn't mean it, they didn't write it, anyway, but in the printed paper, it says, that's what we're going to follow that. That's one reason. Now, there's a second reason to think that why people would not eat Chalvishol. And that is, this, you probably have heard of this, Ramosha has famous chubas, a whole number of chubas about it, where he says the following. We think that the Gemara says that a, a yid has to watch the milking. Why does a yid have to watch the milking? Because we need to be sure, we need a certain level of sure that this stuff is only cow's milk. Rabbi says, you don't, there, there are other ways to know something for sure other than just having um, a, a, a kosher witness walk in and tell us that it happened. There are other ways to know that other than having an aid walk in. Rabbi says, there's another thing we call an anan sahadi. There are other ways to know things that even a Besden would be convinced of something even without an aid walking in to tell us that that happened. So Rabbi says that Nowadays, there's government oversight. Government watches to make sure that they only put cow's milk into the bottle. And therefore, that, and they find people who don't follow their rules. So though that oversight makes it that we have an anansadi, we can be sure that, that this is only cow's milk. We don't, have the, the, we don't have the traditional aid of a Jew standing there watching them put in the cow's milk. We have another way of proving it, and that's equally good to prove that this is cow's milk. And this will obviously only apply you have such a government like the United States of America. We're getting there. We're heading that way. Yes, we're heading that way. So, that's what it says that it's, it's, it, we need a certain type of, there's government oversight, and that oversight lets us be sure that this is, look, sure enough, it's as if a Jew was standing there. Now, of course, this is a chiddush. The din, until 50 years ago, no one ever jumped. Everyone, the din says that you has to watch it. Everyone understood that that's what you have to do. So, Ramesh himself says, you should know if a person has Chol Vishol available, the, the traditional Chol Vishol, of course that's what he should eat. Of course you should be doing that. What I'm telling you is a Chiddush that you should have this. But, but and Ramesh says, there's a, even another famous Chua, a well-known Chua, which is, a yeshiva called up Ramesh, wrote to Ramesh and said, you know, we have yeshivas, all yeshivas are tight on money, 
and we would like to give the boys Chol I think it's boys Chol Vishol, but it's a lot cheaper to buy them than not Chol Vishol. And you're telling us that it's mutter, the stuff that, the, the stuff with government oversight is considered Chol considered Vishol, so should we buy that also? Is that okay? We'll save money. It's, you know, it's not our money to spend. And much says, no, it's Kadai to spend the yeshiva's money on it. This is a worthwhile thing to spend money on, even though the yeshiva's tight and maybe you could think of other things to do with it. Ramesh says, even I, I hold that it's mutter. I, he wrote a number of tshuvas that it's mutter. If a person has a chance to eat it, then he should. And the tshuva is really written, he tells you, he's really writing it for people who are stuck. People who live in places where it's not available, or whatever, some special reason why they can't. Okay, so, now, there's a little bit, something's changed since Ramesh wrote the tshuva. To the, in this case, it's for the better, actually. Which was, one of Ramesh's tshuvas says like this, the people said, that, uh, Ramesha, you're telling us that the government watches it. But at least in his day, or how they told him, he said, the government doesn't go to the farms. So if, the gov- if no inspectors ever go into the farms, then by the time the government inspectors come up, show up, which is in the, in, the, in the dairy, where they actually put it into the bottles, by the time they get there, the milk is ready to trade. Because until now, the milk's just been floating around, who knows what they stuck into it. And there isn't even any oversight in the farms. So Ramesha says another chiddush to answer that question. That there's a special, then I'm just going to say it briefly, that the Ramosha holds that Chol Vishol is only usher when it's Higiel Yad Yisrael. It's not usher when it comes out of the cow. It's only usher when the Jew gets to it. As long as by then a Jew is watching, that's good enough. Okay? I'm not explaining that very well. There's obviously not everybody agrees to that. So Ramosha, that was Ramosha's like, sort of a second chiddush to make it mutter. But now things have changed so much that now government inspectors actually do go to the farms. And governments, one of the things that they, that's on their checklist to look out for is whether there were other animals on the farm, that, you know, not cows. And they would, they, the inspectors say that if they ever saw something else on the farm, they would immediately report the person as being, you know, not following regulations or codes or whatever he's supposed to do. Okay. So, now we've heard two reasons why people would eat, would not eat what we call halvishal. And we, we can now break people up into three groups. Okay. And for any of you, uh, I see a number of you here who live in West Rogers Park, I'll, we'll break it up like this. Um, the people who doesn't at brisk, okay, Tamid Salvation, they say, Ramosha said it's mutter, the Chazir said it's mutter, I don't know which one they hold like, you can eat, you can eat things that are not halal yourself, and it's mutter, no problem. That's one, one group, and that's probably the, the bulk of, of from Yidin eat halal stuff. That's, that's one thing, okay. We go, if we go you know, a few blocks over, a few blocks over to the Lake Wicoyo, okay, walk over a few blocks to California, there, They'll tell you the din is, is probably mutter. Make our din is probably mutter to eat chalvish, to eat what, what we don't call chalvish. So, but there's enough reasons to be machmir about this that we will be machmir and only eat chal, We will only eat what we call chalvish. So, okay? Those people might be, those people might say, we're machmir to only chalvish. So, but for example, if something was made on the not chalvish kalim, that's okay. We won't be machmir on the kalim of it. We might kasher, there are differences in how you kasher if they're if the kosher food or if the tray food. So they might take those clues about how we kasher and clean, because really deep down they hold that the ikra thing is that it's mutter, but the, the ikra thing might be that it's mutter, but we personally want to be machmer in it, so we're only machmer in so to speak so far. We're thinking, this really comes from taking such a sheep. And the third group is in between those two places, is Rabbi Younger's shul, okay, in between, and this mostly associated with the chassidish, who say, no, they don't agree with all these coolers. Chol Vishol has to be the way it says in Shulchan Aruch, the way it says in the Gemara. Chol Vishol has to be a Yid has to see in there and watch it. It's not Mutter, it's completely usher. If it wasn't made like that, it's trade. And the food is trade from the And 
um, that food is not, you're not allowed to eat it. Not, we're not talking about the Chumrah, we're doing because that's what it says, open up a Gemara, and the Gemara says the Yid has to watch it. If there's no Yid watching, if the food is trained, we don't eat it. No, no, we don't know from Chachmas and all kinds of Shittas. Okay. So, in order to help people sort of know where they're going, they coined a new term, okay, which is a term called Chol Stam. Okay, and that is to say, there's Chol Yisrael. Chol Yisrael is used to refer to the traditional way of making Chol Yisrael, that a Jew stood there and watched the milking, all the way through till it got into your bottle. And Chol Stam is used to refer to when it, no one did special watching it, but some people hold that it's mutter for one of these two reasons, either like the Prechodesh, or like what Ramosha said, and that's what you see for the Chol of Sam. People won't call it Chol of Akum. Okay, people won't call it Chol of Akum unless it, like Mamash came from, you know, a farmer in Cambodia where there's no reason to be make of, then they'll call it merely Chol of Akum. But we use like Chol of Sam is like the in-between term to, to, to say this is the kind of milk that's, that, that isn't the traditional Chol of Israel, but some people think that it's kosher. Okay, that's what it's like. Okay. I'm going to stick in one little thing. There are some variations in how people do this. There are, for example, some people who eat only Chol Yisrael, but they'll eat Chol Stam milk powder. Okay, that's based on the Hart Tzvi. I'm saying there are little variations, but these three groups that I gave you is the three main groups we have. Where people who eat Chol Yisrael, no matter what, there are people who only eat Chol Yisrael, and they hold the Chol Stam is straight, and then there's the in-between, people who say that Menadina might be mutter, but we're going to be machmer and only Chol Yisrael. Okay, now. So remember, we have two reasons to possibly make them. Now we have to hear, there's a nafkamina between these two reasons. Okay? And these nafkaminas, the nafkamina comes out as follows. What Rabbi, what Rabbi Platnik mentioned about different countries. Okay? Anybody here ever, I don't know if you have a map here, ever here of Tibet? Everybody here of Tibet? You don't need, it's okay. Okay. Did anybody, it's okay. Did anybody ever hear of Tibet? Okay, you know where Tibet is? It's near China. It's in Asia, okay. Tibet is on what's called the roof of the world, okay? It's on a plateau, a big flat piece of land that's about 16,000 feet above sea level, okay? Now, 16,000 feet above sea level is not great conditions for most animals or even people to survive at. Okay? You know, when people climb Mount Everest, which is there in the Himalayas, they have to condition themselves to, being, to, to living up there. It's hard to breathe up there. You have to be, certain, only certain people and, and animals can handle that climate up there. But, well... The kind of animal that the most common animal that they use up there in the Himalayas, up in, in Tibet, is called the yak. Okay? Yaks are kosher. It's, it's sort of like a cow. Yaks are kosher. Um, and that's what they use. And they, they raise them, they, they plow for them, they do all the things that people use animals for. And one of the things they do is they make milk from yaks. Okay? Now, in, let, let's think of our two reasons we have to be mikkel. Okay? Yak, in the Himalayas, there are probably, just like in America, the only milk that's around is yak milk. So what the Prechoder says, is there anything available of trade milk around? It's probably not available other milks. It's just as, it, it's, it probably would be more expensive, but it's around. Yak milk is what's around. The Prechoder should probably make But what about what Ramosha said? Ramosha said it's mutter because we have an Anansahadi. We can be sure that they're putting in only yak milk because there's government oversight. Now, we, we know that in China, when they want to enforce laws, they can be very tough, you know? The guy does something that embarrasses them or, or breaks laws that they hold very strict with, by the end of the week, his head will be off. Okay? He's gone. They, they take care of They can be very strict. But we also know that they can look the other way and not enforce laws. There might be laws on the books that they could not look at. You know, also, there's political questions. You know, the Chinese relationship with, with the Tibet government is very, you know, back and forth. 
So are there laws being enforced? Is there anybody who watches to see, who can give us an anansahadi that the milk going into those bottles is really yak milk? Now, we don't get yak milk like bottles of yak milk, I, I don't believe, to America. But we get other dairy products. Casein comes from Tibet. Okay, so, one, so we could decide whether that's mutter. According to Prichadosh, it's probably mutter. According to Ramosh, Ramosh wants to say, even according to Chasim Sarfer, it should be mutter. You have to know. You have to know more. You have to be in, very in touch with what's going on in Tibet to decide if that's mutter. Okay, let's go to an opposite case. Okay, in Africa. Okay? In Africa, there are probably more camels than there are cows. Right? Cows don't handle the, the deserty, boiling hot kind of climate the way camels do. Okay? Not only that, the, the UN and other people who try to help out the Africans are much more are poorer and less undernourished much more than other, con- other continents. So they try to help them. One of the ways to help them is to teach them how to take camel milk and preserve it. You can't make, you will know, you can't make cheese out of camel milk because chafe milk doesn't turn into cheese, but you can make yogurt out of it, and you, there are other ways to preserve it. So people have been trying to encourage them and teach them how to collect this milk and make something out of it because it's a good, healthy food for them to eat. Okay, so, with the pre the pre reason, not going to apply to African milk. In Africa, there's trade milk all over the place. The camel milk is every place. So you can't say over there that there's no, it's, it's cheaper to, to use kosher milk or it's easy to use, no, just the opposite. The camel milk is what's all over the place. The camel milk is easily available. Okay, now, Ramosha's reason, Ramosha says there's government oversight. Uh, I, I don't know much about Africa, but we, we get the feeling of it being very lawless and people just do whatever they want. So there isn't this think of oversight of, like, you know, policemen in the street and, you know, law and order. You don't think of it that way. Uh, I guess you have to know the countries. So religious reason might not apply either. We don't even know if there are laws that say how, that something sold as cow's milk in Tanzania has to be cow's milk. We don't really know. I mean, it's hard to imagine, you know. So chances are that that stuff would have none of the coolest. Okay, good for us is that I don't think that Africa exports any milk or dairy products, so we're safe from that stuff. Okay, let's take a third case. Russia and South America. In those countries, we can guess that the precolicious research applies. Chances are that what they're milking is mainly is cows, and there isn't other things available. Although, some of these people are pretty desperate. Some of these people are poor or more backward or more desperate. And you'd have to know whether they're milking other things. That you have, that we, don't, we can't say that for sure. You know, we could talk about Wisconsin and even you know, Ireland. We could think about how they do. You know, we that sort of relate to them. We don't know whether these people, whether precolicious reason apply. Maybe yes and maybe not. As far as government oversight, you know, again, talk, you really have to know the country to know whether there is or isn't government oversight in each one of these places. You can't, it's, not a, it's not a rule, so it has to be very in touch with it. Okay, so now, in all these examples that I gave you, you might think that I'm giving you these far-fetched examples. It's not true. The way um, commerce works nowadays is that the casein that's in your food could just as well come from Tibet as it could from Wisconsin. What foods have casein in they're all over the place. Casein's all over the place. That's a protein. I don't know what it does. I don't know what it does. I don't remember. So it's, it's there. It's in all kinds of foods. Okay? Casein is actually a, an interesting food that legally casein, uh, this may sound funny to you, but by American law, casein is not dairy. Okay? And even though casein comes from milk, it's a pro, I think the protein comes from milk, it's, it's for sure milk. But by law, it's not dairy. And the reason for that law, now you can see, try to see the law, the reason for that law is because the dairy farmers were concerned that people would put casein in from other countries and they would hurt their business. So since they, they, they convinced the government to make the law that you can't call casein dairy 
That way, if you want to say it's a dairy product, it has to have real milk in it. If you want to put casein in it, then it doesn't count. Okay, so this is a political decision that casein is not milk. So, go, go on to see it. That's a, that's a political decision that casein is not, is not milk. It comes from cows. It comes from milk. And that's so, the second dairy? It would not it for allergy-wise, it might. That's actually a good question. It might say that. But it's not allowed to say that it's a dairy. It'll say it's a non-dairy creamer, even though it has casein in it. Okay? Because it's not allowed to say it's a dairy creamer. Anything from any other animal, which is kosher, any milk is milk, or just... From other animals? Like goat milk. Is it's kosher. Yes, it's milk. Yes. milk. Yes. All, all kosher, milk from all kosher animals is milk. Okay, so we have to realize that you might think that Russia, you think we're going to get acid casein from Russia? That's very likely. It's not far-fetched at all. You think about it, you know, if it's really cheap, it's worth it to ship it over here. It could be cheaper than coming from Wisconsin. So, so the, these questions are questions that Hashkocha, who's giving Hashkocha on, on Hall of Stam, has to think that through. If someone comes to the CRC and they want to use casein from this and this place, part of our, our decision has to be is, does that food, is it mutter without being chol visrol? So, I'm, I'm not saying that you should now go and second guess your hashgacha. You say, mm, I'm buying this thing with the hafke on it. Do, do they know what they're talking about? Do they, did they make the right decision? Because they made a hundred decisions about your food. There are all kinds of shilas that have to be decided. But you have to realize that if you're eating Chol Yisrael, you're avoiding these kind of shilas. Because what we call Chol Yisrael is done the traditional way. There's a, a yid standing there reading to him while they're milking the cows. Okay, he's sitting there watching them milk the cows. So it's done the traditional You don't have any problems like this. You don't have to think, are we getting, are we sure that we're covering it? Because I, I have to tell you, some Hoiskim who had heard, you know, that this and this Hashkafa took milk from the following place, because they, they, it, even without being called Yisrael. And others, they're like, the mouths drop. Like, I can't believe it. You know, if you'd meet this guy in the street, you wouldn't trust him. I mean, you wouldn't believe that a guy from whatever country, that you could take his milk as called Yisrael. So, I, I'm not telling you you should second-guess the Hashgah. I'm telling you that if you're buying the food that's called Yisrael, you're on, you may be on safer ground with some of these things, that they made a decision, and we assume that they made a, you know, thought-out good decision, but you'll be on safer ground, having the whole visual, which doesn't have to think this question through. You're avoiding that child. Have there been any cases recently about farms, dairy farms in America that have been caught with anything other than cow's milk? No. Because, because dairy farms don't work like in the times of Gomorrah. That a guy milked one little cow and he put it into a bottle. They're milking hundreds and thousands of cows. And you have to be set up to milk horses. You can't. There's no machinery. There isn't. There are all different operations. They're not set up for that. Right. So you know, maybe, maybe in Africa they either do it by hand or they're set up to do to milk camels. But in Wisconsin, there's no such thing. If you brought a horse into the state, into the milking place, they wouldn't know what to do with it. They're not built like that. You know, their equipment is not made for milking horses. They're not. They don't think about it. So it's really. I'm not saying it might happen on a little farm in somebody's backyard. But when you buy a bottle of milk. There isn't a chance in the world that it's anything but cows. It's so easy and it's so set up to do it. They wouldn't, well, how would they get milk out of a cat? They wouldn't know what to do with it. It wouldn't, it wouldn't work, you know. It wouldn't work commercially. Let me say it wouldn't work commercially. It's not such a chashash. Okay. Now, in this vein of thinking about other shilas, I'm going to mention to you another shilas. Um, when you, <coughs> when you eat, actually, we just, part, I'm going to use an example that just came up this morning. It was mentioned this morning. When you eat bread, it comes from wheat and wheat kernels. They're made from starches that people can eat and digest fine. But the wheat stalk is not made of starch, 
It's made of a different sugar called cellulose. It called cellulose. That 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 is not digestible by people. Okay, you, if you ate cellulose, you don't digest it at all. Actually, people take it as a laxative because it goes right through. Does it? Does it? You can't digest that stuff. But cows can. The way cows digest that stuff. In order for a cow to digest things like cellulose and basically that's what grass is, they have four stomachs. Okay, kosher animals who chew their cud. Chewing their cud, you have to have more than one stomach to chew your cud. You chew, you swallow it, goes into one stomach, comes back, and you chew it again. That's why they're chewing it again and again. They have a couple of stomachs that has to pass through. Okay. So, so the cows have a number of stomachs. Okay, one of those stomachs, the fourth one, is called an abomasum. Okay, that's what it's called. But there's a, for some reason, there's a problem that cows have, particularly after they have their first child, is that this stomach, this fourth stomach, gets overfilled with gas. And it could be dangerous to the cow. Okay, not only is it uncomfortable, but it could be dangerous for the cow. Okay, so how, do you, how does the farmer take care of this problem? So the, the simplest way to deal with the problem is, the farmer sticks a long needle into, through the cow's skin, in, in the right spot, I guess. He has to know what he's doing to the right spot, into the cow, into this abomasum, and it's a, it's a, it's a hollow needle, and the, the, it, the gas just escapes through the needle, and the cow is happy and back to normal. Okay, it goes on with life. Kaka, it's about 4% of cows have this problem. So, the earlier parts can talk about this. What's the Shiloh? What's, what's the Shiloh for? I mean, it, it's a strange operation, but what the Shiloh is, that if an animal has certain problems with it, we call it defects to it, it can become a trafer. Trafer means is an animal has something wrong with it. The most famous is it has a hole in its lung. That animal is not kosher. The terrorist says you can't eat a behemoth as a trafer. Trafer means it has one of these defects that are, could cause it to die. One, there are certain ones that are usher. If it has holes in certain places or certain things wrong, the animal is a trafer. So the shiloh is, does making a hole in this fourth stomach make the animal into a trafer? You're making just a tiny little hole. Just a needle. Go ahead. Excuse me? Is the animal going to die when? If it didn't have this. If it didn't have the operation, it potentially will die. But the shiloh is not about the, the, the gas that it has. The problem is that in solving that problem, they might you be might making a trafer. You might have made it a trafer. The gas in it wouldn't be a trafer. But the hole in it might make it into a trafer. So here comes the farmer to help the animal, and that might make the animal trafer. So that is to say, if 4% of the animals have this, then those animals might be trafers. Okay? There might be now trafers. Trace milk mixed in with kosher milk. Okay? So, earlier Pisgum talked about it when this was done in a more, can we say, crude way. Um, but it comes up again. People, contemporary Pisgum have talked about it. And there's two reasons that I know of. There may be other reasons why most Hashkachas are, don't worry about this. If, even if an animal has a surgery, they consider it to not be a trace. One is as follows. The animal's abomasum, this stomach, has more than one layer to it. It, the, the stump is made up of a number of layers. So rather, they don't want to poke a hole straight through the stomach because when they then pull the needle out, the animal will have, a, will have a scar on all the layers in the same spot and it might rip open. That scar might not heal right and it would rip open, then the animal would really be in bad shape. So what they do is like this. I'll show you the piece of paper. Imagine these are the different layers. They, they poke it into through just the first layer. After they poked it through the first layer, they then move, pull the needle over a little bit, and poke it through the second layer. Then they pull the needle over a little this way, and poke it through the, let's say there are three layers, through the third layer. So this way, they're getting all the way through into the inside of, into the animal's stomach to let the gas out, 
But when they pull the needle out and the papers, the, the layers, line themselves back up, the holes are not next to each other. Does it, so, does it cause pain to the animal? I think, it's, I think they give anesthesia before they do it, certainly. And so the, the, and the, 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 scar, the holes are not next to each other. This way, if one of the, one of the holes, the scars is not healing well, the, the animal is still going to be safe because the other layers are still covering up and eventually it heals properly, you know, with the right care, it heals properly. Heals properly. So, Rovelsky said, Rovelsky is a, a, a person in New York, he said, that since, since, the only time the animals are trained for if there's a hole all the way through. Here, there's never a hole all the way through. What there is, is there are holes in three different spots, and the only time there's actually a hole all the way through is for a few seconds while the needle's in, and that is not enough to make it a trefer. When they pull the needle out, it immediately is, is close up. There's never a hole all the way through. That makes the animal not a trefer. That's one reason that shouldn't be trefer. A second reason. The Gemara says, if you have a hole on the inner stomach, that's what a, a, a Mishnah says, a chulun, on the inner stomach, even if the hole is a tiny hole, it makes the animal trefer. But on other parts in that area, you need a bigger hole. Okay? There are seven sheetas in the Gemara. What the Gemara means, what the Mishnah means when it says the inner stomach. What is it? Okay? According to six of those answers, our animal is not a problem. The stomach that we're talking about is not the one that needs a little hole. It needs a big hole to become a trefer. It would be fine. According to the last terrace of the Gemara, it's exactly our stomach that we're talking about, and that little hole makes it a trefer. Okay? Well, what's it in? Which stomach is it talking about? What is it talking about? So, some of the showing you how he's asking. Now, there's a rule. The Marshal says, if you have a machlekes, whether something is a trade or it's not a trade, and you see that that problem doesn't make the animal die. Remember I told you, a trade means an animal that's going to die because it has some kind of a problem. But you see this animal doesn't die. Actually, in our case, the animal doesn't just die. It lives much better. Right? The surgery is helpful to the animal. The animal can give birth. That's another symptom that it's not a trade It gives birth afterwards. It's not a trade You can decide who to pass the life based on the fact that the animal lives. So our animals, our an- the, the, these animals all live fine after the surgery. So that could be for us a raya that we don't pass like that sheet in the Gemara. This is the, this is the way Rabbi Fadi Yosef, Rabbi Mar, the current chief rabbi says, that therefore the animal is not a okay, I hope I didn't lose you guys in that judgment. But what, what, what's again to you is, there's, there are a number of reasons why that surgery might not be considered a trade. Anybody who uses, who eats whole of Sam, is assuming like we just said, that the animal is not a trade when it has that surgery. But, People we call Yisrael don't have those kind of cows in their, in their milk. And the reason is as follows. Nowadays, in a modern farm, every animal when it's born gets a tag and a computerized chip put into his ear and a number. And they watch that animal from the day he's born until he dies. And they know everything about him. Okay? We, I was in a farm. They could tell you how much milk it gave on every single day, how much milk that cow gave and they watch it. The computer watches it. Because if the animal starts giving too little milk, then they know something's wrong with it and they have to treat it. Or they, everything that goes on with this animal is a computerized record. It, just a funny, I'm sorry, sorry, little story is that we were looking through these records in a company and they said, um, this and this animal is in barn number one. And then we looked more in the records and said the animal died in February. So I said, guys, he died in February. You didn't leave him in the barn, did you? He didn't leave him in the barn. So they had a very big tumble. They couldn't figure out why the computer said he was in barn number one, yet he was dead. He's been dead for months. They didn't bury him there, you know? It wasn't a Mason Smith, so they just buried him right there. He was, he, he, he's, 
Anyway, that was a whole tumble in the farm to figure out what happened. How could the computer say that he's in bar number one when he's dead? But the computer knows everything about this animal. So if you want to know which animals had the surgery, it's easy to find it out. In any modern farm, in a second, you can pull out all the animals that had it. So the people who make Chalvishondo are machmir to not to consider these animals that they should be trafers. And they come into the farm and they say, if we're making Chalvishondo, you have to take all these, those animals, put them on the side, put them someplace else. We only want milk from animals that didn't have the surgery. What about years, uh, did they do this? How did they do this? hundred years ago? I don't know. I, I don't know how much, what happened 50 years ago. No, it's not my problem. I, have to, I know what's happening now. Nowadays, in every farm, it's easy to tell. You can actually tell the animals by looking at them. If the surgery is in the past year or two, you can actually see the scar, an outside scar on the animal. But after a while, you don't see that anymore. But nowadays, in, in any modern farm, you can see, computerized records will tell you what's, what is a trait. So they, what happened is that the people who give hashkocha on the Chobishol are machmer for this. And Mimela, anybody who gives hashkocha is also machmer. For example, the CRC gives hashkocha on Chobishol cheeses. Even though the CRC holds that this surgery doesn't make you a trade, but we certify all kinds of holes, stam things like that. When we make Chobishol, we're machmer for this. Because that's understood that in Chobishol you have to be machmer for this. That's how everybody does. So when you buy Chobishol milk or cheese or anything like that, you're, you know that you're getting milk that did, from animals that didn't have the surgery. Now, there's reasons to be not doing it. The surgery doesn't make it a trade, that's acceptable. Again, we give hashkacha today on things that are hall of stam, even though the animals had that surgery. We, we do it every day of the week. But when we make hall of Israel, we don't. The hall of Israel, we're standing there in the farm. We say, why on earth should we take from these animals? We take those animals, put them on the side, and take these animals that are, don't have the surgery, those people take the milk from there. Why do we need to be, have this chashash where we can avoid the shilohs of trafers? So, this is not a Chol Vishol issue, this is a, but this is like a side benefit from having the Chol Vishol, is that by not, by having Chol Vishol, you don't have this child of having the trefer, you're getting only from cows that don't have the trefer. Okay, now a few little things. Again, like side benefits from eating the Chol Vishol. When you, when the farmers milk the cows, the same farmers who milk cows are not the ones who bottle the milk, or make cheese out of it. There's farmers who raise cows, and they, buy, they collect milk. Every eight hours, they milk the cows, and they have this big tank full of milk. That milk gets sent to somebody else, whose job it is, a different company, who makes bottled milk or cheese or whatever other things that they can make out of it. How does the milk get from the farmer to the, what we call the dairy, the place where they make, do things with the milk? It goes in the banker truck. Now you've seen them on the highway. They have these trucks that go along. And in the milk industry, those trucks are pretty dedicated. They only use it for milk. That's how, that's how the culture is. They use it only for milk. That's true. They pretty much only use it for milk. But well, they put the milk in those... In, in the truck itself. No boxes, no... No, no, no. It's just a big tank. It, it, you see some tanks that say Exxon that have oil inside of them. And there's another one that has milk inside of it. There's actual milk. For, right there, a big tank, thousands of gallons of milk. Now those... Tanks are basically only used for milk. The, the ones that work in the dairy industry, that's just they do. They go from back and forth from the farm to the dairy. How do they clean up? But how do they clean it out is a question. Now, usually, usually they clean it out in a place that just does milk trucks. That's the most common way to do is to clean it out in a place that do just milk trucks. But not necessarily. They may clean it out in a place that does trucks that had trade products in them also. Potentially. And the water that they use to clean it can be re- reused from one truck to another. Okay? Dirty now, water? they don't use dirty water. What they do is like this. When you wash the truck, you wash it a few times. There's a first rinse that just gets out the big pieces, flushes them out. That goes to the garbage. 
Then there's like a soap that comes in. And then at the end, when it's pretty clean, they do a last rinse at the end. Okay, there's, there's a, you know, a few steps in the middle. Then there's like a last rinse at the end. That last rinse is pretty clean water. So from their perspective, that water is pretty clean. That water might be used in the next truck. That water, the last water of one truck, might be the first water of the next truck. Okay, the first water, which is just getting up big chunks of pieces, might be used, and it might be hot. So, you might take tray, it's like sort of washing your dishes together. They might take breeze out of a tray truck, and then wash your milk truck with it afterwards. Now, if they did that, it wouldn't be the end of the world. That's the truth. Because the milk's going to be cold. The milk usually doesn't sit for 24 hours. Anyhow, the milk would probably be okay. It probably would not make your milk tray if it went in a truck like this. Okay? But, and that's what everyone's been relying on. But not Chalvi Shal. Chalvi Shal would never put milk into a truck that was trafe, or if they would, they would make sure it didn't sit in that truck for long enough to become trafe. Okay, similarly, when a dairy gets milk in, one of the things they have to do is to pasteurize it. Okay, pasteurize is a very fancy way of heating up the milk to kill any bacteria and things that are growing there to make it safe for you. That heating, the pasteurizers are you in the dairy is usually just for milk. Usually. But not always. There are other things that they might run in there also. They might run drinks in there that are um, not kosher, depending on their business, etc. So usually it's okay, and it shouldn't make much of a problem, and therefore it's accepted that it's kosher, even though it went through the pasture. It might be bottle of maybe the bleeds are not big enough to make a tray, all kinds of things, okay. But anybody who's doing chalvisrol production would capture that pasteurizer. Before they started, before they started running the chalvisrol and looked through it, they would be sure to capture it. Nobody would make chalvisrol without capturing it. Okay, lastly, when you make I mentioned to you in, that there's such a thing called Gvinus Yisrael. Gvinus Yisrael means that when you make cheese, a Jew has to be part of the making of the cheese in different ways. Almost all of the Paiskim say that that applies to all cheeses. Okay? Meaning, cheese like American cheese, cheddar cheese, mozzarella, that's, those are what we call hard cheeses. When you hold them, it's a hard cheese. And it applies to soft cheeses also, like cottage cheese and cream cheese and... Um, things like those kind of soft, what we call soft cheeses. Like, think about it, cottage cheese is not hard and firm. Even applies to soft cheese. And almost all the Polyskim in print say that. Okay? But no, almost nobody, almost none of the American Hashkochas are marked for that. Almost all the American Hashkochas hold, from a sack of Hankin, that soft cheeses don't have to be green as you saw. So that's why if you go into, into a jewel, you'll see lots of brands of cottage cheese and cream cheese that are kosher. They're, they're, they're not Jewish brands, just the regular, regular store brands would be kosher, because it does, it's not nothing special. It doesn't cost more to make it kosher. You won't see, you'll never see jewel brand American cheese that's kosher, because it costs much more to make kosher cheese. Because to make kosher hard cheese, a mashkiach's got to stand there the whole time. Okay, the mashkiach's got to be there the whole time, throwing in rented every time they make a batch. So, the only kosher cheese you'll ever see is a Jewish brand, but soft cheeses, Everyone is making, like Rav Henkin said, that soft cheeses don't need to have a yidir. So a mashkiach listens every so often, but a mashkiach doesn't see in there all the time. So soft cheeses, the accepted psak is, soft cheeses don't need, do not need gvinus yisro. Almost, and not every hashkafel, but almost, there's one standout, but almost all the hashkafels accepted that soft cheeses doesn't need gvinus yisro. Okay? That's all true if you don't call it so. If you call it so, excuse me, with a yid standing there during the cheesing for the call of Yisrael Shabbat, they'll make it Almost every one of them will make it Venus Israel also. So even you will, even though in a 
you know, whole stam. You could buy cottage cheese, you could buy your casein, all these kind of things. I mean, not to be Yisrael, because we're Shemuel, Hank had said that it's not. The whole Yisraels will all have what almost all the Poliskim before Hank can say is that does it have Venus Yisrael? And so again, that's like a side benefit. It has nothing to do with the whole Yisrael of it, but it senses a Hashkocha there. A Hashkocha wants to be more particular. They want to be on top of what's going on. They're going to be marked for this thing, which in the Hall of Stam production will never happen. Okay, so to summarize, we'll take some questions then. To summarize, summarize is, we have two reasons why a person would be allowed to eat food that didn't have a yid watching the milking. Either because it's not, um, no chashash if you really mix something else in, therefore you don't have to have Hall of or Moshe said, that it really is, so to speak, Hall of You're just, you're sure enough that it's milk, you have a non and therefore you're allowed to eat it. So those are two reasons why people eat it. However, we've also seen, within those shitas, there are those who disagree, with it, to those shitas themselves, and aside from that is, there are a lot of, so to speak, side benefits that, are, that a person gets from eating the Chol of Yisrael, that other shilas that come up, that the Chol of Stam have chosen to be make all those shilas, which is fine, we, we, we don't have to be machmer with everything. I'm not saying you should be machmer with everything, but by eating the Chol of Yisrael, you're avoiding and gaining these silos that you don't have to say, I'm not being made on that thing because the Chol Bishol gives it to me. Okay, and we really come back to what Ramosha said. I'm going to end with this. What Ramosha said was that for people who need to, people who are stuck, people who have special situations, then there's reasons to say that the food is mutter. And those people are fine and comfortable, they should eat what they eat. But for people who have it available, people who are, are able to get the Chol Bishol, and basically, I'm, I'm not saying every single type of first they can get, but they can get just about everything that they need, um, they live in a place where they can get those things, so it's a very appropriate thing that a person should be mocked to eat those hobbies. Okay. Well, when you go into an establishment that doesn't have a hashbach on the whole store, right? you want to get yourself a hashbach. 